From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Well, coming up on this Wednesday edition, it was an interactive State of the Union address last night. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. Oh, well. While Republican leaders have repeatedly said, even on this program, you've heard them, that they will not, they will not be cutting Social Security or Medicare, the president continues to make these claims. The claims are at best a distortion, and I'm being generous there, if not an outright lie, about Florida Senator Rick Scott's Rescue America plan. Senator Scott joins us in just a moment. And more fireworks on the Hill today as the House Oversight and Accountability Committee held a hearing with former Twitter executives about their efforts to censor information about the Hunter Biden laptop. Texas Congressman Pat Fallon, who is a member of the committee, well, he joins us to give us a rundown on that explosive hearing. And how might the findings of this hearing impact big tech companies that have been censoring conservative voices? Now, this is not the last of this. There's going to be more inf- information coming out. But how is this going to impact it? We're going to explore that with Scott Shepard, director of the National Center's Free Enterprise Project. And there is, uh, there's about to be a little more excitement on the Hill tomorrow as the new select committee on the weaponization of the federal government holds its first hearing. We're going to get a preview of that hearing from Congressman Dan Bishop, who is a member of that committee. And as promised, we'll get a situation report on the response to the devastating earthquakes in northeast Syria and Turkey from Edward Graham with Samaritan's Purse a little later here on Washington Watch. So you want to listen to that and find out how you might be able to help. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And if you're on Twitter, it's at T. Perkins. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. Wow, what a promise to the one who puts his hope and his confidence in the Lord and in his word rather than in the strength and wisdom of men. But here's the blessing, provision, protection, and purpose. Now, this does not necessarily mean your bank account will always be full and that you'll have everything you want, nor that life will be a cakewalk. But it does mean you'll have something that the world is looking for, and that's purpose. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. By the way, last week I had Chris Ruddy of Newsmax on the program, and I want to ask you to join me in helping Newsmax in stop corporate censorship of conservative viewpoints. Sign the petition uh, to Direct TV and AT&T that have taken Newsmax off of cable. All you need to do is text Newsmax, Newsmax to 67742, that's 67742, or go to TonyPerkins.com. Add your name to the petition to stop this censorship of conservative viewpoints by AT&T and DirecTV. Again, go to TonyPerkins.com or text Newsmax to 67742. President Biden began his State of the Union address last night with a call for unity. Well, that didn't last too long. 
urging Congress to restore the soul of this nation. Now, he proceeded then to ignore his own call, instead pushing the extreme positions of the left, abortion until birth, transgender ideology, a continuation of his open border policy and more. While he talks unity, his walk is division. The president also claimed that Republicans have called to end Social Security and Medicare, despite repeated assurances from Republican leadership that they have not even considered such measures. The president's claims are a distortion at best, as I mentioned, or at worst, an outright lie about the plan my next guest has put forward to rescue America. Florida Senator Rick Scott. Senator, welcome back to the program. I don't think it's I think it's I think the right word is lie. I don't think we're supposed to call people liars, but what he said is a lie. You can't make this stuff up. So I put out a plan. Uh, you can go to rescueamerica.com, and it says, look, you know, let's let's come up with some ideas how to make this a better place. Let's get family back into, you know, you know get, promote families, promote God, get God back into life, things like that. You know, make sure we, you know, respect uh, human life. Uh, so, but anyway, one section says we should sunset you know, the laws and regulations, unless we want to keep them. So he wants to put out there that we want to cut Medicare and Social Security, which is a lie. But guess what's even better? He actually did a bill to sunset everything. And then let me let me give you the quote of what he said about when I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I met Social Security as well, Medicare, Medicaid, veterans benefits. I met every single solitary thing in the government quote, unquote, by Joe Biden as a U.S. senator. So he might be of a little bit of a hypocrite. And then, as you know, in September, he signed a bill to cut $280 billion out of Medicare, which will cut life-saving drugs. So he might be a liar. He might be a hypocrite. But he's one of those things. Could be clueless. What, what is very frustrating, and this is, I'm sure, frustrating to you and to, to others, is that the Republicans have been very clear about this, responding to this from day one when they made this comment. I've had the chairman of every committee in the House on this program that deals with Medicare and uh, Social Security. I've had uh, the Republican majority leader on the program talking about it, saying, we're not even considering that. Hasn't even come up in discussion. We're not going to have it. You've responded and said, that's not what we're talking about here. But he continues to push this. As you said last night in an interview, he's lying. This is this is politics at its worst. Yeah, but you know what he's trying to do is just scare people. Um, and by the way, if we don't balance our budget, guess what? If we don't do anything in what ten to twelve years, Social Security, you have over a twenty percent cut in Social Security. So if we just sit here and do what the Democrats want to do, just keep spending money, just an automatic twenty percent cut. On top of that, we will run out of money. Right. Eventually, the bondholders are not going to lend us money. And we can balance this budget. We don't have to, you know, actually, we can balance the budget. Biden could actually pay the interest without even any bills passing. But we got a lot of ideas of how to do this. And we've got to get our fiscal house in order, and we've got to preserve Medicare, and we've got to preserve Social, uh, Social Security, Medicaid, all these safety net programs that are important to people. Yeah, because they won't be around. You're absolutely right. They won't be around because we won't be able to afford them because we'll have an implosion. I, yesterday, I had uh, your colleague, Senator John Cornyn, part of the uh, the leadership team over there on, uh, in the Senate, asking, will the Republicans in the Senate back up the House Republicans who are saying we will not pass a debt ceiling raise without some spending reforms? He said Republicans will stand with them in the Senate. Is that your sense as well? Absolutely. 
the we're working hard with with the House. Um, Kevin McCarthy was at our, uh, our conference today. The Republican senators had a conference today. He came uh, at lunch. He did a really good job talking about how we're going to work together to responsibly raise the debt ceiling. Uh, we're going to focus on getting structural changes that will ultimately balance the budget and how we're going to look at every dime we can right now to save money on programs that would be maybe nice to have. But when you have, you know, thirty-one half trillion dollars worth of debt, you can't spend the money like that. Last night, uh, one of the things that I heard nothing about, there was no mention of something that the entire country had been fixated on for about a week that was floating across the country. It's as if the Chinese spy balloon never existed. Why did not why did the president not address that issue? Well, think about it. He didn't address that. He couldn't explain why he didn't do something about it before he ever got into uh, the U.S. airspace. He didn't talk about how he's going to cut inflation. He didn't cut, talk about how he's going to make us energy independent. He didn't talk about how he's going to secure the border. Something important in Florida, he didn't talk about how he's going to promote liberty and freedom and democracy in Latin America. He didn't focus on how he's going to hold anything, uh, the Chinese government accountable. So, I mean, it was just, it was just a wasteful, I mean, we sit there, it was a wasteful two hours of our time. He did focus on things that he can't do anything about. He, fo- he, he called for teachers to get raises. I thought that was a state issue. Uh, I thought it's that was something. Yeah, he, he talked about other people doing work, but when it came to the work that he needs to do, and I, and I was, this is almost laughable when he talks about reducing the price of concert tickets because of fees that are placed on and resort fees, but yet he doesn't address the border and the drugs that are coming across the border because of his policy. Tony, my guest last night was a uh, police chief down in the Miami area. So in his job, he deals with fentanyl uh, overdose and drug overdose. But on top of that, he lost his son, his 32-year-old son, a year ago to fentanyl overdose. So 70,000 people died of fentanyl overdose last year. 107,000 people died of drug overdose. A lot of it's coming uh, from China through the cartels. And but the Biden administration doesn't care. I, I've asked my workers, why don't you guys care about all these people dying? I mean, because you, I mean, if you look at your actions, you clearly don't care about people in America dying from fentanyl overdose. We've talked about a lot of the points the president brought up last night, but anything else that just surprised you that was in or not in the president's remarks last night? I think. I mean, if you look at the issues not addressing China, not addressing Latin America, uh, not, I mean, just, but look at some big issues, inflation, gas prices, border, China, Latin America for us in in Florida. I mean, no, I mean, I just, I'm trying to think, I sat there and try to think, what did he propose that actually has a chance? So I did attack, you know, he attacked the law enforcement. He did attack the rich. Um, He attacked corporations as far as I remember. I mean, but he didn't, I mean, he was not, he started the speech unifying, and then the whole speech was, you know, trying to divide us. What We've got to get a president that's going to bring us together. That's, you know, that's what I tried to do when I was governor of Florida. I didn't talk about party. I talked about solving problems. I represent everybody. That's well, what we need to have a president like that. Well, you, you know, as governor, one of the ways you do bring people together is when you have an external threat that you, you focus people on. And as governor, you had the hurricanes, you had the storms. People come together for those. When you, and, and historically speaking, 
Uh, we know this from civilizations when there are external threats that then unify people to focus on. And, and quite frankly, that's what China is. China is a threat to this country economically, militarily. But it, uh, the absence of his concern or uh, maybe compromise, I, I have no idea. I cannot figure we, we out why. I cannot figure out why he is so soft on China. You know, Tony, one thing I always tell everybody is, so let's take, each of us should take everything into control. What can we do? So right now, every American, if you want to hold China accountable, don't ever buy another product from China. Absolutely. If you find out on their website where it's made, don't buy it. Absolutely. And then eventually these companies will start telling us where they're made. And they're I, hiding I it. They're hiding because on Amazon, when I buy something on Amazon, I search to find out where it's bought. And I'll often email and ask, where's this made? Oh, yeah. They try to hide. I've, I've had a bill since I've been up here. I've been up here four years that would require Amazon and any online retailer to disclose country of origin. They fight it. They have their lobbyists fight it all the time because they're making a fortune off of selling those junk from China. And so I, I look at every American company and say, act American. Act American. Act in the best interest of, of America, your kids, your grandkids. That means you don't do business with China. Right. They're not. It's not the people of China. It's the government of China. Absolutely. And we're a stronger country for it. Senator, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us this afternoon. See you, Tony. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. Senator Rick Scott of uh, Florida. All right. Still to come, the Hunter Biden laptop and big tech collusion and more fireworks tomorrow on the Hill with the first hearing of the brand new House subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. Congressman Dan Bishop joins me after the break to preview that. Don't go away. We're back right after this. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. When I came to office, most assured that bipartisanship assumed was impossible but never believed it. That's why a year ago I offered a unity agenda to the nation as I stood here. We made real progress together. That was President Biden last night talking unity, but his policies are anything but unifying. Joining me now to talk about the president's speech last night and to preview tomorrow's first hearing of the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government is North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop, who is uh, currently a member of the House Homeland Security Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, and he will be a member of the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. He represents the North North Carolina's 8th Congressional District. Congressman Bishop, welcome back to the program. Hello, Tony. Good evening to you. Did you feel unified last night? <laughs> you know, doing saying one thing and doing another is about the worst thing you can do uh, in politics, to earn trust, to build unity. And I, I would say my, my view was that last night's State of the Union address was probably the worst I've ever seen. There was a moment there when, when the president spoke about oil executives not making uh, investments in uh, oil fields and, and uh, uh, refineries because they, they uh, feared that the industry would be shut down. And Biden said, well, I answered them and told them we'll need oil for 10 years. Yeah. And, and everybody in our caucus just laughed. I mean, I don't know whether it was a taunt or just total cluelessness. There was a lot of other stuff too, but I, I, I regret that it's just, I really have more regret than animosity. George, uh, uh, Joe Biden is, is just not a strong leader for the country. Well, when he talks about unifying, and, it, and it's as if he's pandering to those out there who have no idea what's going on, but then he pushes an agenda that he even mentioned last night, the Democrats' radical extremist position on abortion, wants to force the entire country to have abortion until birth, then he talks about his transgender agenda, the Equality Act, which would trample religious freedom in this country even more so than all that already has happened. That's not unifying. That's polarizing. Right. It was a provocative speech in all of its substantive points. And they've been wrapped, try to wrap a, a, a patina of unity around it. Not many people are going to be deceived by it. In fact, it's really it. it, it uh, it, it drives further division to do it, do it that way. You know, I Very did see so. unity last night. I saw unity among the Republicans in their reactions in that, for the most part, it appeared that uh, the speaker kind of uh, kept the members together and in order, good decorum. And I thought the Republicans handled themselves well, all things considered. There were a couple of departures from that. I, I firmly believe it's the responsibility of members to attend that speech. 
and to comport ourselves appropriately. It's very tempting. And in fact, as I say, there was laughter broke out across the Republican conference at that point that I made, or that, that, I, that I just made reference to. Right. There were a couple of other occasions I, I didn't think were perfect, but um, but all in all, as you say, for, for the most part, the decorum was appropriate. All right. Tomorrow, the subcommittee, this long-awaited subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, uh, will hold its first hearing. All right. What, uh, what can we anticipate seeing tomorrow? And there's much yet to be discovered, Tony. We, we haven't even begun the investigation, much of which will occur by uh, individual transcribed interviews of people, one, one person after another, before there are other big public hearings. But this one sets the stage. Jonathan Turley is one of the witnesses. Your memory, many of your viewers will be familiar with Professor Turley, right. law professor. Uh, he says that that based on the preliminary indications from the Twitter files and other data points, there may be we may have seen uh, happening right in front of us uh, the largest censorship operation in the history of the United States government. And and it's a you know, the question that is is front and center in my mind is why would the FBI the CDC, the CEC, an organization in the State Department, the ODNI, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the CIA, why would they have, for example, an interest in constantly flagging social media posts to Twitter and other social media companies to be considered for being taken down or some other action against an account under the content moderation policies of those social media platforms, which are narrower than the First Amendment? Why would the FBI have the reason to spend resources uh, cultivating or curating the speech, the discourse of Americans in public for that are that doesn't violate the law. And I think that you can begin there, but the thing you're going to pull on some strings and a lot of stuff's going to unwind. But that's a very important point. And you know, Tony, I think your viewers and listeners would would be very interested in in the degree to which there seems to be animus that is based on. Uh, such things as uh, religious affiliation. Mm -hmm. I've seen something just today that was on the Twitter. It seems to be authentic. We're going to find out. may come out of the Richmond field office of the FBI that it characterizes Catholics in the most obscene, I mean, the, mo the most reprehensible terms. Right. I've ways seen that. that. The government should never look at it. At, at, and so there's with seem, a connection this with a connection to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, well, that I, I didn't detect that yet, and so I haven't looked at it in depth, and we'll be looking into it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Let, let me, we've I, seen that source a I, lot. I know the answer to this because I've had many, many conversations with you and your colleagues, but I want to hear it from you. You know, there were a lot of conservatives disappointed with uh, the Republicans during the early years of the Trump administration when they had control of the Congress, and we, we saw the— the abuses by Hillary Clinton and others when it came to uh, classified information and nothing was ever done. Will the Republicans follow this trail to where it leads and make sure that our government is no longer able to target American citizens? So, Tony, uh, you know me well enough and people who have watched what we were doing earlier this year in terms of the speaker uh, contest and what we were going to require— I'm, I'm fed up. American people are fed up, and I am fed up. I was when I was out of Congress, before I came to Congress, with the cosmetic appearance that people want to do things that satisfy Republican voters. I want to actually do them. 
So we're going to dig. I'm not going to prejudge the conclusion of this, but this is a vast problem. It's, and I think Jonathan Turley's assessment of it is not overstated. And so we're going to dig and we're going to get the facts. And then we're going to propose policy, but we got to, you know, getting it through a legislature that is partly controlled by Democrats and past the president's tough. And we also don't control the executive branch at this moment. So prosecution decisions will be made there. But we will reveal this and it's not going to be play acting. It's not going to be sort of showboating uh, to, to try to do things for political reasons. We're going to we're going to reveal how deep and dangerous this this uh process is this activity by our government. Well, we look forward to the conversation along the way to make sure that our viewers and listeners know exactly uh, what you guys are doing on the Hill. Um, Dan, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate the opportunity to share with your viewers and, and keep them apprised. All right. Dan Bishop of North Carolina. Stick with us. Edward Graham is with us next. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Still to come, we're going to be talking about the House Oversight and Accountability Committee hearing today on the censorship that's taking place with big tech. And speaking of that, if you'd like to uh, stand with Newsmax, who's being uh, censored by AT&T and DirecTV, simply text Newsmax to 67742. You can sign our petition going to DirecTV and AT&T. That's Newsmax 67742. All right, the death toll from the devastating 7.8 and 7.5 magnitude earthquakes that struck southern Turkey on Monday uh, has now reached 11, over 11,000. Along with many more injuries and crushing damage 
to homes and other infrastructures. This is a region with limited resources already devastated by war. Uh, this is going to be an all-hands-on-deck effort internationally to uh, end the response. And part of the reports that I'm hearing from uh, those that I've worked with in that region, the Christians, is that uh, many have fled southeast uh, Syria, uh, northeast Syria, into Turkey, and they are not getting much help. So Christian ministries are responding, and Samaritan's Purse is deploying close to 75 disaster assistance response team members. They're taking a 52-bed uh, patient bed field hospital, a pharmacy, and two operating rooms to the region. Joining me now to uh, discuss this and what's happening there in uh, Turkey and northeast Syria on the ground is uh, Edward Graham, Chief Operating Officer of Samaritan's Purse. Edward, welcome to Washington Watch. Tony, thanks for having us again. It's great to see you tonight. Well, thanks for uh, for being with us. And, and again, just appreciate the work that you and Samaritan's Purse do. Just love your dad and the whole team there. And the, the thing I like about this most, especially in this region of the world, the gospel, the love of Jesus needs to go forth. Tell us the situation as you appreciate it right now and what Samaritan's Purse is doing and how we can join in. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tony. You did a great roll-up of, you know, our team's been on the ground right after the earthquake happened. We sent people there. We we had uh, about 11 originally, and that's numbers continue to grow as they assess and work with the local government. But there's a great medical need. A lot of these, several hospitals were destroyed. Um, but then you have a lot of displaced people, as you already talked about. And so the medical need was already high, but now you destroyed a lot of the infrastructure. There's been tens and thousands of injured. And so we're deploying a field hospital that can specialize in emergency room medicine, but also uh, orthopedic, because we know we're gonna have uh, crushed bones. And much like when we deployed to Haiti after the last two earthquakes there, it's going to be very similar. And then there's also other health needs that come out a lot of times with clean drinking water and issues with that and cholera can come about in an incident like this and other diseases. So we have specialists on the ground that can help identify these and treat these. And then we can send additional supplies as needed. But there's other, there's hygiene kits that you need to send over. And our aircraft will be full with that. We're sending a 747 fully loaded, about 90 tons of equipment will fly out tomorrow night. And we'll go straight to Turkey, and then we'll begin setting up this hospital and begin operating and treating patients within the week. So I just ask that your viewers pray. Pray for our team that's going forward, but pray for the nation of Turkey that's hurting and suffering. We don't want to pass by anyone in the ditch, just like the story of the Good Samaritan. We're there to love our neighbors and serve them in their greatest need. Uh, have you been interfacing with uh, the Turkish government as you deploy in there? Yes, sir. And they, they've been very welcoming. They reached out to us, uh, the embassy here. They've been The embassy here has been very supportive. This is the Turkish embassy and the Turkish chief of mission and base here. He's He's been phenomenal to work with. Whatever we needed, they wouldn't ask for. Uh, they've been over uh, to make this possible and happen to along with our embassy. Uh, the U.S. embassy inside Turkey has been very helpful to facilitate this. So we haven't really met any resistance or struggles getting approvals, getting in. Um, there, it shows you how great the need is. Yeah. And they're they're hurting, and they're asking the world for hurt. I mean, for help in this hurting time. So that's why you you have a lot of viewers that believe in the power of prayer, and that's why I ask pray for those that are suffering, those that have lost loved ones, but that we can be a blessing and serve those in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is even as we we see domestically as we're involved in disaster relief, when people are hurting, 
and you help in the name of Jesus, as you, you guys make very, very clear, it ministers to the whole person. So tell, tell our viewers and our listeners how they can be a part, in addition to praying for you, your team, and for the, the people in the region, how else can they help? Yeah, if, if your viewers are interested, you can always go to SamaritansPurse.org. I'm always going to ask for your prayers first. If you're interested in what we do, we do a lot of volunteer work here in the U.S. alone. We're in several areas. We're still in, in Alabama with the tornado. We're uh, still in, in Florida with the hurricanes there doing disaster relief. And then we're doing rebuilds in, in Kentucky and in Mayfield with a tornado and then the flooding in eastern Kentucky. So they can they can help there right now. But if you want to help in our international teams, we have something called the Disaster Assistant Response Team, doctors, nurses, electricians, uh, water specialists, engineers. It takes a lot to set up a hospital. So you can go there, but we're going to ask you to train um, and, and do some training activities and get prepared to go over with us so we can do these, whether it be in Haiti and Ukraine, uh, New York City, Italy, all over the world, we've deployed this hospital and so there's plenty of opportunities uh, to get involved. And if you want to financial contribute, if you feel like you can't volunteer, there's ways to do that as well. But prayer is what's needed most right now. All right. Edward Graham, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be praying for you, your teams. And, of course, we're praying for the folks of Turkey. And be sure and tell your dad I said hello. I will, Tony. Thanks for all you do for this nation and for the gospel. We appreciate you very much. Thanks, Edward. Okay, coming up, and by the way, be, do be praying. And if you can help, go to the website, follow the links over. I'm telling you, you've heard it before from me, Samaritan's Purse, they're the best when it comes to helping in these disaster situations. Coming up, the House Oversight Committee grilled former Twitter executives today for their censorship of conservative viewpoints. Congressman Pat Fallon, a member of the committee, was there, and he joins us after the break. To give us a rundown on that hearing. Don't go away. We're back after this. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text S-T-A-N-D 
to 67742. That's stand to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday. Again, if you want to stand with Newsmax and send a message to AT&T and DirecTV, simply text the word Newsmax. That's one word, Newsmax, to 67742. Sign our petition that's going to AT&T and DirecTV to put them back on. All right, it has begun. Republicans on the House Oversight Committee used their investigative powers today, grilling three former Twitter executives regarding the tech platform's anti-conservative censorship, most notably its 2020 effort to block users from sharing now confirmed, confirmed, did I say confirmed, information about Hunter Biden's laptop. Conservatives have long been aware of the biased Silicon Valley tech giants hold against their views, which was confirmed by the release of Elon Musk's Twitter files. And, and so the, we see this convergence. The Republicans now have control of the House so they can actually have hearings. They can bring forth this information. At the same time, Elon Musk buys Twitter, releases inf- information. Folks, get the popcorn. This is going to be interesting. Join me now to talk about this. Congressman Pat Fallon, he serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability and on the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Fallon, welcome back to the program. Tony, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I was watching most of the hearing today. It was pretty long. Uh, What was your takeaway from this uh, oversight hearing looking at Twitter and their censorship? Well, you know, Tony, I was struck by several things, one of which was I asked Joel Roth if he felt what, you know, that, t- that Twitter had been biased when, he, uh, when he, he was employed there. And he said that, you know, he, he, went, he said, no, they weren't. I said, well, that's interesting because 99.7% of Twitter employees in the 2022 election cycle donated to Republican, I'm sorry, Democratic candidates and only like a tiny fraction of Republicans. So clearly there was an overall bias. But then I asked him if he was, did he hold a personal political bias? He denied that. And then we showed a quote where he compared Trump White House officials as Nazis. He compared them to Nazis, the most evil, monstrous folks on the planet that are responsible for 60 million people's deaths. And I said, a little bit hyperbolic. And he actually said, yes, it was. And I apologized. He apologized. It was incredible. But what they did was they killed the Hunter Biden laptop story right before a presidential election. 
and affected its outcome. What do you think will come next? I mean, you've got you've got some attorney generals in the states that are actually deposing some of these uh, big tech uh, giants right now, getting additional information. What I see happening, Pat, is that this is coming from so many different angles. It's hard to keep a lie straight. And so I think you're going to see a lot of these folks tripped up because they've said one thing over here thinking they're going to be covered forever because they just have a monopoly. But that's not the case anymore. Yes, yeah, there's really literally a new sheriff in town, and the, you when you lie, you, you get a tangled web, right? And you can't keep it straight. So one of the things that I talked about today, too, was Joe Biden said, Tony, in 2019, that he had no knowledge of his son's overseas business dealings. He was then-candidate Joe Biden. Okay, that sounds good on the surface, and then the mainstream media dismissed the issue. But the evidence showed in the New York Post story that his laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop, showed that his father had extensive meetings with his son's business associates, Miguel Velasco and Magnani, Mexican business associates. There's a picture of Biden giving them a tour of the White House in 2014. He went to dinner at Cafe Milano with Kazakhstan business associates of his sons. He had a teleconference call with Carlos Slim in 2015 you know, uh, the Mexican billionaire, and it goes on and on. He met with the, the uh, an executive at Burisma, where his son then magically made millions of dollars, and it's basically a, an energy firm over in Ukraine. So he lied. They covered that story up, and Media Research Center did a poll that said Democratic voters, 70% of them in swing stakes, would have changed their vote if they had known about this information. So that, that's pretty damning. So will this lead to further hearings? I think so, absolutely. We're going to go where the evidence leads us, because there's also some things we didn't talk about today, because this is more Twitter. But there are 150 SR, uh, SARs, which are suspicious activity reports. These are things that are generated on people like Bernie Madoff. They're doing very shady, little, very odd things. Not every SAR leads to a criminal or uh, an indictable offense, but it's odd. And if you have a couple of them, that would be something that would be concerning. The, the Biden family has 150 SARs filed against them, and we don't, we're being denied access to them right now. So we need to find out what those 150 were, because I believe that that might reveal that the president of the United States is actually compromised, well, well, which would be horrible. Who's denying you access as a member of Congress, as a committee with oversight? Yeah. Oh, the, the Department of Justice right now. Well, well, how is it how is it that uh, former President Trump's tax records could be released to the public and a congressional oversight committee can't get access to this information that is a part of their official duty? Yes. Well, it's a double standard. And if liberals didn't have double standards, Tony, they would have no standards at all. So now that we have subpoena power, I think things will change. But we could not get them before. We certainly hope we can get them now, because if there's nothing to hide, then just release them. What is there to do? I mean, the media lies about us all the time. You know, I'm just a small five member of Congress, but President Trump was lied about constantly. I welcome scrutiny. I don't care. I'd love to talk about it because anything that they talk about with us is not going to be true as far as, you know, any, any, any negative ethics issues or anything like that. So why is he hiding it? Why is he cutting tail and running? Final question for you. And I know you got to go to another meeting. And I appreciate you taking time to, to sure. join us. 
is it your sense, based on what you're saying, and, I, and I'm not asking you to make a declarative, I'm just asking your sense of this, as you see what Twitter did, and of course we have the benefit of the Twitter files from Elon Musk, so we, we can look behind the curtain and we can see that this has happened. Is it your sense that the other social media giants have been doing the same thing? Yes, there's no doubt. I mean, they, what Elon Musk's $44 billion revealed was our worst fears realized. We thought this was really happening, and now we know it was. And I suspect, just from being a conservative, I'm sure you've been a victim to it as well, the shadow banning, mm-hmm. it, the, 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 we don't get a lot of play unless you're promoting. It's just very odd. And we, we actually entered into the record today. Jamie Raskin had a tweet condemning the Border Patrol for whipping Haitian migrants back in, I think it was June of 2021. Well, it was up for an entire year. It was proven to be patently false. That's either misinformation or certainly it was a mistake. And they never took it down. It's still up to this day. So they were very selective with what they called misinformation. Well, as you said, if it weren't for double standards, they would have no standards at all. Congressman Pat Fallon, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for taking time to fill us in. Thanks, Tony. God bless. All right. Take care. But, folks, doesn't mean we pack up and go home. It means we double down and we do our work. And and I want to, again, encourage you. We, We talked about this last week. Newsmax being taken off of DirecTV, four, uh, among the four top cable news programs. All right, I was just on uh, Newsmax this afternoon. So I want to I ask you to help me, uh, help Newsmax, stop the corporate censorship of conservative viewpoints. Text Newsmax to 67742. That's 67742. Text the word Newsmax. You sign the petition, it's going to go to DirecTV and AT&T, or you can go to TonyPerkins.com and add your name to petition there. But we have to do our part to protect free speech. All right, I want to continue this discussion of today's oversight uh, committee hearing on protecting speech from government interference and social media bias. Now that the Republicans control these committees in the House, we're going to see a lot more of these hearings. But the question I have here is how might these hearings like this one held today, impact big tech. How is it going to affect them moving forward? Because that's what we want to do. We want to move the needle. Joining me now to discuss this is Scott Shepard. He's a fellow at the National Center and director of the National Center's Free Enterprise Project. Scott, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much. Great to be with you, Tony. So uh, very quickly, Scott, your reaction to the Oversight Committee's hearing today? Well, I... (laughs) In a sense, it was hilarious. I mean, Yoel Roth claiming that he's nonpartisan is one of the most astonishing statements ever said. I I don't know if he was under oath, but if he was under oath, his right hand should have burned off. I mean, he has made it very, very clear that during his time at, um, at Twitter as the head of their censorship department, he was on a mission to uh, to to downplay and to eliminate what he considered dangerous speech, not false, not inaccurate, not hate speech, although in his case, uh, in his view, anything uh, that he disagreed with was hate speech. But but dangerous speech just meant speech about things or taking positions that that Yol Roth personally disagreed with. And so uh, that was that was revealing, uh, I think. I think that James Baker um, uh, being available, we remember that James Baker was an FBI operative before he went over to Twitter, and the idea that he wasn't getting information and direction from his pal still at the FBI and confidential information 
are things that, that uh, Congress should look into. And hopefully, uh, sooner rather than later, we're going to have a non-corrupt uh, Justice Department again. And, and uh, then we can, we can start criminal investigations, because if the government was colluding with Twitter to deny Americans civil rights in ways that a government couldn't directly do, like abridging speech rights, and that's a crime, and some people should go to jail. So, Scott, we were just talking with Congressman Pat Fallon, and I asked him, you know, is this just reflective of what's happening in the other big tech companies that have been censoring conservatives and maybe colluding with the government? So, figuratively speaking, because I know we don't usually use paper anymore, but are the shredders going right now? I mean, when you're talking about what's as they see these hearings and what's coming, I mean, are they shredding the documents? Oh, I'm I'm sure there's some of that, but recall that uh, Dead Eyes Mark Zuckerberg has uh, has made comments. Uh, Joe Rogan, maybe, uh, in another forum, said, "Yeah, the uh, the FBI essentially lied to us to coerce us to do some some uh, censoring and discriminating." That's something that he should he should be subpoenaed. All the records should be subpoenaed. Nick Clegg should be uh, subpoenaed. He's the chief uh, the chief uh, censor over at at uh, Facebook. And they should be brought, they should be put in jail if they reject the subpoenas. Uh, that's now the, after Steve Bannon, that's right. now the rule. And they should be made to go through this in exquisite detail under oath. Um, because we know it was happening at Facebook. We know it, that Google's doing it too. And they lie constantly about it. Is this going to lead to behavior modification with big tech? I think that if this is the beginning, of a long and and uh, probably tortuous, but also uh, insightful process, I think it will lead to big change. But I've got to tell you, my uh, organization, the Free Enterprise Project, uh, deals fairly regularly with uh, corporate executives and their level of self-delusion. Well, let me let me give you the example of Larry Fink over at the World Economic Forum a couple of weeks ago, whining to his buddies that, gosh. All he wanted to do was to force companies to do things like decarbonization on his schedule uh, and and um, uh, equity-based discrimination. And gosh golly, the people who oppose it are just making it all so partisan. Well, that level of delusion is very strong at the top of these corporations. So eventually they'll get the point and they'll feel uh, threatened as they should by the law and by public reaction. But it's going to take a lot more than one hearing. You know, you know, Scott, I used to think that in when it came to business, and that's kind of what we're talking about here, big tech, we're talking about uh, corporate America with their woke agenda. I used to think that the, the, the dollar and profit were the driving forces, but I don't see that so much anymore. How do you get their attention? What is it that will force that, uh, other than jail time, what is it that will force behavior change? Well, what we'd, what we'd like to see are... Uh, a series of shareholder derivative lawsuits because these companies, whatever they may blather about stakeholder capitalism or about ESG not being political or partisan or anything, uh, they still have fiduciary duties to do the objective will of of uh, shareholders, which means not doing their personal policy preferences, not self-dealing, not advancing their own private interests with company money. So some shareholder derivative lawsuits or or similar that were to establish that non-pecuniary self-dealing is still self-dealing and took a lot of money out of some executives' pockets, uh, that would that would uh, get their attention very fast. And I don't think it would take too many of those suits uh, uh, and successes to 
bring bring the so it, 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 it it's their personal bottom line that gets the attention when you say they have a fiduciary duty to, with the money entrusted in to make a profit that's why people invest in them and if they're using that to uh, pursue their own fanciful uh, leftist ideologic uh, ideologically driven agenda uh, then they have uh, they have some exposure there that's that's exactly right, and I think that will be the lever that uh, uh, that that uh, I don't know how to finish that sentence, but that'll be that'll be what makes them change their minds and their behavior. Well, I hope we see a lot of those lawsuits coming up. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Great to talk with you today. Thank you, Tony. Anytime. All right, folks, we all have something we can do in this process, and uh, as we were just, uh, I mean, look, today's program. Talking, going back to our first conversation with Senator Rick Scott about China, you know, we need to stop buying this cheap stuff from China, often made with uh, forced labor. And you know what? We need to hold corporate America accountable in these big tech industries. And there's some great organizations doing this. They have shares in these different companies, and they're going into these stockholder meetings. But we need to see more of these lawsuits against Uh, these corporations that are using their power and influence against the American people. All right, folks, we're out of time, but be sure and uh, sign that petition to help out Newsmax. Text Newsmax to 67742 or go to TonyPerkins.com and add your name. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.